0: Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts.
1: Hello and welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcast. I'm your host Lizzie Halliwell and today we are speaking to Fernando Malalana about his clinical commentary on corneal neoplasia in the horse. Fernando is a senior lecturer at the University of Liverpool and a European diplomat in equine internal medicine. Hi Fernando, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. So what types of corneal neoplasia in the horse should we look out for, and which types are most common in your experience?
0: To be honest, th- there's a few described in occasional case reports, things like lymphomas, um, melanomas, things like that, but by far the most common one that we we'll would see would be a squamous cell carcinoma. So I'll say 98% of the tumours would we'll see in the cornea would be squamous cell carcinomas.
1: And are there any identified risk factors for squamous cell carcinoma?
0: Yeah, so we know that UV light exposure uh, is a risk factor for um, carcinomas. So certainly horses living in sunny locations at higher altitude will be at an increased risk. Uh, same with uh, horses with poorly pigmented coats. Those that have uh, poor pigmentation around the eyelids will be more um, likely to be affected. Uh, and there are some breeds as well that we know that have a higher risk. Uh, again, poorly pigmented breeds, cremello horses, Appaloosas. Um, now, th- there's a couple of breeds uh, that don't potentially fit that criteria completely. Uh, one of them is the Clydesdale, uh, that despite being uh, heavily pigmented, seems to be at increased risk of developing this tumour. Uh, and the other one is the Linger, where um, we know they've got some um, genetic defect in their capacity to repair DNA damage caused by UV light, and that makes them more prone to have this, this tumour. We also know that geldings seem to be more likely um, to be affected or increased risk compared to stallions and to mares, so potentially some um, sexual bias there as well.
1: And in the cases that you've seen, how does the tumor usually present?
0: So, to be honest, most of the times by the time they present to us, it's a mass uh, visible. Again, for squamous carcinoma, typically it's a, a kind of um, growth most commonly on the lateral limbus and then invading the cornea tends to be quite pale color uh, irregular surface so a lot of the times that is what we see i think probably initially the most common presentation is um ocular discharge so i suppose i would suggest if if a horse has ocular discharge it it probably something just trivial something else but you should have a good look looking potentially for the the start of one of these tumors.
1: And is the clinical appearance enough for a diagnosis? Or are there any differentials which you'd be aware of, which we could confuse things?
0: Again, with, with a mass originating on the lateral limbos with that appearance, again, the, the diagnosis most of the time is clinical. We we know that it's likely to be a squamous cell carcinoma. I've been caught in the past with a couple of strange things, um, but yeah, most of the times you can pretty much be almost certain that the, uh, the diagnosis with the squamous cell carcinoma.
1: And how often would you do things like biopsy them? Would that be something that's easy to do or should the procedure be left for specialists? specialist, would you say?
0: So again, most of the times because of the clinical impression is quite straightforward. of a squamous cell carcinoma, we would just go ahead and do surgery and do an excisional biopsy and try to remove the whole thing. If you are unsure and you want to biopsy, that's certainly something that is relatively straightforward to do. It can be done just with sedation and local anesthetic. I suppose... You just need to be a bit careful, obviously, that you're close to the eye. So, um again, just make sure your horse is well sedated and well anesthetized uh, with topical anesthetic. I think the difficulty potentially is that you need a really not, not terribly uh, specialized equipment, but definitely small enough equipment that you can get a superficial biopsy of the tissue. Uh, but I don't think it's anything particularly uh, difficult to achieve. So, I think if, if first opinion practitioners would like to take a biopsy, uh, of just the surface of the mass or the most lateral aspect of the conductor, but that shouldn't be too too difficult at all.
1: In your review, you mentioned the several different treatment options, uh, which include surgical excision, radiation, laser, photoablation, topical chemotherapy and cryotherapy as well. Um, which one of these is your preferred treatment option and how would you select your cases?
0: Um, I think most of the times... Uh, the primary part of the treatment is to remove the tumor. So we would do a lamellar keratectomy and try to remove, um, the tumor. Most of them tend to be what we call carcinomas in situ, where they don't too, tend to invade too deep within the cornea. Uh, so a lot of the times they come in a nice plane. Um, but yeah, that would be the, the main stem of treatment, re- physically remove the tumor with a lamellar keratectomy. Now wh- we would always tend to follow with an adjunctive treatment uh, which one i suppose depends on the availability um i suppose beta radiation would be great but the availability of that uh, certainly in the uk is limited right now so we tend to follow with topical chemotherapy uh most commonly with mitomycin c um whether we always choose mitomycin c or no is i suppose debatable uh, certainly, the histopathology will um, help guide that decision, whether we, we think we've got nice, clear margins or whether we think that the tumors were more invasive, that specter. But most of the times, we do at least one run of mitomycin C. So, so we do at least one week of mitomycin C. And we tend to wait until the Obviously, as we do the surgery, we produce a, an ulcer on that cornea. Uh, so we wait until that ulcer, ulcer has healed, that has re and then at that point we will do a round of mitomycin C which is typically a week of mitomycin C if we are concerned about the uh, malignancy degree or the invasion degree on the on the histopathology report we might do more rounds of of mitomycin and typically we do weeks worth of rounds with weeks worth of rest in between the rounds
1: And in your experience, what's the prognosis for retaining the eye in these cases and what kind of factors would inform the prognosis?
0: Um, I think the prognosis for retaining the eye is relatively straightforward, relatively good. However, I always warn the clients that this tumor, while it's not uh, typically very invasive uh, or doesn't tend to metastasize to other parts of the body, it can be locally invasive and it has a tendency to return. So again, the, the uh, frequency of recurrence is very variable on, on the study, something between 10 and 60%. Um, obviously that, that's a very wide margin, but certainly something in the middle is, is not um, unthinkable. So I always warn the client that while we probably are able to save the eye on the, on the first exam and on the first uh, treatment, it is not uncommon that the tumor can recur. And sometimes it can do this at kind of 18, 24 months um, after the initial treatment. By that point, potentially the horse is not insured anymore, or the owners don't want to treat for the second time. So it is not uncommon that at that point the eye is nucleated, uh, but on the initial uh, treatment, I think we, we managed to save the eye or at least do surgery and, and follow with some chemotherapy in most of the eyes really. As to what factors inform prognosis, it's a bit of an unpredictable tumor I have to say, but certainly histopathology can help whether the, the tumor appears to have a particular aggressive behavior or whether it seems to be quite invasive and you haven't got clear margins. Although I've had tumors with clear margins uh, that have come back and I've had tumors where the margins weren't that clear, but I've done chemotherapy and the tumors have not returned. So it's not 100% um, gospel.
1: And what kind of post-op management um, is there uh, following the surgical excision and chemotherapy? Um, is there anything we should warn owners about in terms of in the kind of immediate post-operative period?
0: Yeah, so so as I said before, with the surgery, you basically artificially created an ulcer in that cornea. So once we've done the surgery, we tend to uh, treat that eye as, as a routine corneal ulcer. Once it has epithelial eyes, we will do the run of chemotherapy there are a few reports of of corneal melting with um, chemotherapy with mitomycin C I'm I'm lucky enough never had to experience that essentially the risks appears to be reduced if you wait for that ulcer to epithelize Um, I think a few years back we used to do mitomycin immediately after surgery Uh, but then uh, more recent research suggested that that increases the risk of complications. so now after surgery we wait for the ulcer to heal then we do the mitomycin C Typically, the the, worst, the the adverse effects we tend to see with that is potentially a little bit of ocular discomfort and, and redness, uh, but other than that, not very much. Uh, once we've done that, horse tends to go home, but we always warn the clients that it is not uncommon for horses to develop granulation tissue at the site of surgery. So it's very common that vets will ring me uh, four, six weeks after surgery to, to be a little bit alarmed to let me know that that the tumor has recurred, but actually what it is, is a little bit of uh, granulation tissue. And a lot of the times this will uh, settle down with just a little bit of topical steroid. So I always warn the clients about that, uh, not to panic if they see a fleshy growth coming back in a few weeks, uh, because it's unlikely to be tumor, it's more likely to be granulation tissue. So if in doubt, you can always biopsy, but most of the times um, just try a little bit of topical and dexamethasone and the uh, tissue tends to go down.
1: Thanks very much for that, Fernando, and uh, thank you all for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash